Cybersecurity is important, particularly when it comes to medical devices, and the FDA has clear expectations of cybersecurity for pre-market submissions. What do they want, and how can you get it done? We'll find out with Becky Diddy and Donna B. Tillman. I'm James C. Taylor, and this is Insight at Biologics. And here with me now are Becky and Donna B. And ladies, why don't you tell people about yourselves? Hi, I'm Becky Diddy. I am a medical device regulatory consultant at Biologist Consulting. I have been in the industry for 20 years. And in that whole time, I've been doing regulatory work. My specialty is focusing on pre-market submissions. And a lot of those submissions include software. And I am Donna B. Tillman. I am a biomedical engineer, and I was at FDA for 17 years, and I've been here at Biologics Consulting for the past 12 years. Like Becky, I am a medical device regulatory consultant, and I work with many clients on software-enabled devices. Well, I thank you both for being a part of this podcast, and... Speaking of this podcast, Becky, why don't you frame for everybody what we are and maybe even what we aren't going to talk about? The purpose of this podcast is to provide an introduction to FDA's cybersecurity expectations for medical devices, especially as it relates to the information needed to support a pre-market submission. The intent is not to have a discussion about specific cybersecurity techniques or mitigations, And it isn't intended to cover every aspect of FDA's cybersecurity guidances. This is an introduction to FDA's expectations. Okay. All right. So with that said, where would you recommend a medical device developer to start when it comes to cybersecurity? The first place to start is to become familiar with FDA's guidance documents as they relate to cybersecurity. These guidance documents include cybersecurity in medical devices, quality system considerations, and content of pre-market submission. This will be referred to as the pre-market cybersecurity guidance. There's also the post-market management of cybersecurity in medical devices, guidance for industry and food and drug administration staff. And this will be referred to as the post-market cybersecurity guidance document. There's also the cybersecurity medical devices refuse to accept policy for cyber devices and related systems under section 524B of the FD&C Act, guidance for industry and food and drug administration staff. And this relates to the requirements per the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023. And finally, there's the cybersecurity for network medical devices containing off-the-shelf software. In the show notes, you will find links to these guidances and other documents I reference throughout this discussion. One other important aspect is that you really need to have a cybersecurity expert on the team or actively working with an external cybersecurity expert. Gone are the days when you can just try and throw something together to address FDA's cybersecurity recommendations. No flying by the seat of your pants anymore. No, no, they they really dig in. All right, so now once 
you have your cybersecurity guidance documents. What's next? What kind of design documentation is needed? First, you want to start early. Design the device to be secure from the get-go. You don't want to address cybersecurity at the end of design development. It should not be an afterthought. You want to include cybersecurity mitigations into the device from the onset, as it can be harder to add in mitigations after the fact. It also helps you provide a more secure device by designing security in from the beginning. You'll want to start with doing a threat analysis, and you want to make sure to follow an industry-recognized method. Yes, and in terms of the industry-recognized methods, uh, one of the questions we get a lot is, is there a particular method that FDA requires medical device companies to follow? Uh, And the short answer is no. Uh, FDA doesn't require any particular methodology, but they do require that you actually pick a formal methodology to follow. Some of the common methodologies that we see medical device companies use are stride, attack trees, kill chain, and dread. So as long as you pick a well-established methodology and follow it, you generally should be okay with FDA. And doing a threat analysis is part of your cybersecurity risk management process as a whole. And it's important to note that performing a security risk management is distinct from performing safety risk management. As identified in the pre-market cybersecurity guidance document, safety risk management focuses on physical injury, damage to property or the environment, or delay and or denial of care due to the device or system unavailability. Security risk management, on the other hand, includes risks that can result indirectly or directly to patient harm. Additionally, risks that are outside of FDA's assessment of safety and effectiveness, such as those related to business or reputational risks, may also exist. FDA recommends generating a security risk management plan, a security risk management report, and a company documentation. This is detailed in section VA of the pre-market cybersecurity guidance document. When doing a threat analysis, you want to first begin with the story. Discuss the general architecture and cybersecurity architecture first to help the reviewers understand the cybersecurity framework of the system. In that architecture discussion, be sure to point out software controls and hardware controls. You are going to be using this threat model as a tool to help you identify where your risks are, how your design currently mitigates cybersecurity risks, and where additional mitigations are needed. Have you built into the software methods to identify incidents that took place or one was attempted? Do you have audit logs to help identify who is taking which actions? We will talk about mitigations more in a minute. Okay. You may also want to refer to the Playbook for Threat Modeling Medical Devices as an educational resource that was developed by MITRE and discusses best practices for understanding basic threat modeling concepts and processes and how to apply them to medical devices. FDA commonly references this resource. So in your threat model, 
you'll also want to talk about the the vulnerabilities and threats and mitigations. Make sure you're thinking big. There are obvious risks, but be sure to capture risks introduced through, for example, the supply chain, such as risks introduced through off-the-shelf software, risks introduced through manufacturing. You know, how are your systems secure? Interoperability with other devices and so forth. So make sure not just to think about the obvious risks, but go outside the box. And then I recommend classifying mitigations into the grouping FDA has in their cybersecurity pre-market draft guidance. That includes authentication, authorization, cryptography, code data and execution integrity, confidentiality, event detection and logging, resiliency and recovery, updatable, updatability and patchability. FDA often focuses deficiency questions based on mitigation classification types. So grouping mitigations by type one helps make sure you have thought through all types of mitigations and two makes it easier for the reviewer to access and understand your cybersecurity controls. Mitigations are not just about how the system is designed, but the processes and procedures a company has in place to identify and respond to cybersecurity incidences. How are you monitoring the cybersecurity environment and your device vulnerabilities or newly identified vulnerabilities of any off-the-shelf software? Do you have communication pathways in place to notify users of new cybersecurity weaknesses or events? Do you provide users with the proper cybersecurity information in the labeling? A few of these examples are including cybersecurity best practices. Don't leave the computer or mobile device unlocked. Use antivirus software, firewalls. Don't write down passwords, etc. This may seem like common knowledge, but it is a good practice to communicate it to users. Just like all those pharmaceutical commercials where they tell you not to take the drug if you are allergic to it. By now, you would think most people would know this, but FDA thinks it is important enough to bear repeating. Same with cybersecurity best practices. If applicable, make sure your labeling provides a description of systematic procedures for users to download version identifiable software and firmware, including how a user will know when the software is available. Provide technical instructions to permit secure network development and servicing and instructions for users on how to respond upon detection of a cybersecurity vulnerability or incident. These are just some examples of what to include in labeling. This does not cover everything you need. So that's a lot of really great information, Becky. There is a lot to consider, it sounds like, when uh, thinking about cybersecurity risk management. Uh, a lot of things that companies need to do. And I also think it's also important while you're doing this to not only think about what you need to be doing as part of your quality management system, but to also be thinking about how this information is ultimately going to be reviewed in a pre-market submission. FDA is moving more and more towards smart templates, things like the E-STAR that is now required for 510K submissions 
that require you to provide information in a more structured manner. And so it's important that you are well aware of these smart templates that FDA has implemented and that when you prepare your pre-market submission, your 510K or your de novo, that you make it easy for FDA to find the information that they need. You need to provide all of these inf this information that is required, but you can't just dump a whole bunch of documents on FDA and expect them to find their way through it. It is important with cybersecurity, as it is with really any part of anything you're going to give to FDA, to make sure that you tell the story around your cybersecurity process and that you hold FDA's hand and explain what you've done and how it supports your device. So I think, you know, as Becky continues to talk about these items and what is needed based on the guidance documents, it's also important to think about how you're going to be presenting it to FDA in a way that makes it easy for them to do their job. Right, right. Reviewers don't have a lot of time with any Thing that's submitted. And so if you can make the reviewer's life easier, that's tremendous and helpful. Now, once you have your threat analysis developed, what other things do you need to consider? So after your threat analysis, you'll have to do your cybersecurity risk assessment. And this is, as I was talking about before, a security risk assessment is different than your safety risk assessment, but it's similar in how it's presented in a table typically. You'll want to follow a commonly acceptable cybersecurity risk analysis method. One such method is CBSS. This takes a lot of information from the threat model and puts it into a risk table and then assigns risk scores to the various vulnerability and threats and identifies explicitly how each threat is mitigated. Unlike safety risks, Cybersecurity risks are evaluated using a non-probabilistic approach because it is not possible to assess and quantify the likelihood of an incident occurring based on historical data or modeling. Note, any cybersecurity risks that involve patient harm also need to be assessed in your safety risk management process. Even though these are two independent processes, they do link together. You want to provide a traceability throughout your cybersecurity documentation, whether it's inherently included in your documentation or you include a traceability matrix. And it needs to link your actual cybersecurity controls, such as software requirements or labeling requirements that are implemented in your labeling document to the cybersecurity vulnerability and risks that they are mitigating. You'll also need to develop a software bill of materials called an SBOM. This is not the same document you use to address all the requirements from the FDA off-the-shelf software guidance document, which is a separate guidance document we are not talking about in this discussion. But it is so important to note that the SBOM and the documentation to address the off-the-shelf software guidance document are two different documents. Many people try and combine this information, but that is not the appropriate way to approach this. The off-the-shelf software guidance document requires detailed information about your off-the-shelf software components, how they're integrated into your device, 
how you manage them, what a user needs to know about them, and how you tell them that information, and how you test the off-the-shelf software, and so on. An SBOM, on the other hand, is ultimately part of your labeling to the user. It tells them what software the device is using, including off-the-shelf software, and a few details about it to help them better manage their cybersecurity. It should follow an industry-recognized format. While the documentation you put together for the off-the-shelf software guidance may include some of the details needed for the SBOM, an SBOM should be a separate document. I can't say that enough. And it should be part of your labeling. Per the pre-market cybersecurity guidance, manufacturers should provide machine-readable SBOMs consistent with the minimum elements, also referred to as baseline attributes, identified in the October 2021 National Telecommunications and Information Administration Multitask Holder Process on Software Component Transparency Document Framing Software Component Transparency, Establishing a Common Software Bill of Materials. I know that is a mouthful. And again, this will be provided, <laughs> a link to this will be provided in the show notes. Yes. In addition to the minimal elements identified by what we call NTIA, for each software component contained within the SBOM, manufacturers should include in the pre-market submission the software level of support provided through monitoring and maintenance from the software component manufacturer, such as the software is actively maintained, no longer maintained, abandoned, and the software component's end-of-life support date. You also want to provide FDA information on how you keep the device malware-free from the beginning of development through shipping. You need to document your plan to ensure the medical device is shipped without malware. Describe the controls that are in place to assure the FDA that the medical device software will remain free from malware. Start from the beginning of when you write the code through manufacturing and putting the software on the device and shipping the device out. Be specific. Don't just say you use tools. Identify the tools you use. Identify how you provide and remove access to different team members and which team members get access. If the software is downloaded by the user, make sure to discuss where the software is housed for them to access the download and how you verify the software has been downloaded and installed correctly. Again, be specific. You also need to make sure your labeling addresses cybersecurity, as we talked about before. Document the labeling associated with cybersecurity. This will include device instructions for use and product specifications related to recommended cybersecurity controls appropriate for the intended user. You will also need to include a vulnerability analysis. So think about your off-the-shelf software components and review their known vulnerabilities. In the submission, you need to provide a safety and security risk assessment of each known vulnerability, including device and system impacts, and details of the applicable safety and security risk controls that you've implemented 
to address these vulnerabilities. If the risk controls include compensating controls, which are measures taken to address any weakness of existing controls or to compensate for the ability, inability to meet specific security requirements due to various different constraints. These compensation controls should be described in an appropriate level of detail. Again, some of this may be telling a user they need to use a firewall or additional steps a user may need to take, such as locking their phone or turning off Bluetooth when not using the device at home. These would be things that they are doing on their end to provide additional security because on the development side, those are things you can't develop into the device. Right, right. All right. So a manufacturer does all of this to this point. What kind of testing is needed? So a important piece of this is penetration testing, where you're trying to break into the device. There's also vulnerability analysis and testing, which we discussed above. Static analysis and then evidence of security effectiveness of third-party off-the-shelf software in the system. And it's important to note that when doing the penetration testing I mentioned, FDA wants to see that it's tested by individuals who are not familiar with the device. If your company is large, you may have independent departments such as an independent test lab or cybersecurity test team who performs this, or if you are a small company or don't have independent departments who are not involved with the development of the device, then you may want to have an independent test lab perform this penetration testing. Yes, and I, in addition to the penetration testing and the, and the vulnerability testing that Becky's talking about, which is typically done as part of your design control process in the pre-market setting, FDA is also interested in making sure that you've got testing that addresses what's happening with your device once it's out on the market in the post-market setting. And this has to do with how you respond to cybersecurity threats and incidents. One of the questions that we have been recently seeing FDA ask fairly commonly is that they want to know what testing or information you have showing that your methods and your plans for post-market cybersecurity incident management are sufficient. And so uh, it's not uncommon to see them ask that. And we are generally recommending that people at least provide some basic information about what they've done to validate their post-market incidents response plans uh, in their pre-market submissions. And those post-market incident response plans are part of your plan for continuing support. And it is a requirement that you document your plan for continuing to keep the medical device secure once it is on the market. You'll want to make sure that plan identifies how frequently you re-perform cybersecurity testing. It's not you do penetration testing once and you're done. You will continue to do it sporadically throughout the the life of your product as the cybersecurity environment is always changing and new threats are always emerging. You should summarize plans for validating software updates and patches that may be needed throughout the life cycle of the medical device to continue to secure the device from cybersecurity threats 
to assure safety and effectiveness. And you will also identify how you will respond to incidents and communicate with the customers. This is where the post-market cybersecurity guidance is really helpful as it identifies items you want to include in that plan. Additionally, Section V6 of the pre-market cybersecurity guidance document addresses other total product lifecycle security risk management components to consider, such as demonstrating effectiveness of a manufacturer's security process and potential metrics you'll want to consider while evaluating your, the effectiveness of your security process. That's a lot okay, of information. So, yeah, yeah, but but that that's the wonderful thing about you two is that you can help people with that and they can get in touch with you. But before we give them the means to get in touch with you, why don't you just summarize what we've been talking about? It's important to make sure you think of cybersecurity early and often. It isn't something that you address once and then it's done. You also want to make sure you are familiar with FDA's cybersecurity guidances. They have a lot of information in there, and they also give you a lot of examples. They can be very helpful. The cybersecurity environment and security requirements are always changing, so it's important to stay up to date. You'll also want to be familiar with the cybersecurity-related elements in eStar, which is the pre-market submission document you need to complete and watch for e-star updates it is likely fda will update the e-star soon based on the new pre-market cybersecurity guidance security risk management process that we have been discussing today includes documents such as your cybersecurity threat model and risk analysis and associated components traceability cybersecurity labeling vulnerability analysis testing, SBOM, information on how you keep the device malware free from the beginning of development through shipping, and a plan for continued support. These may not be the only elements you need, but they are some of the main elements. We hope the information we provided you gives you a good start to dealing with cybersecurity in your device. Thank you, Becky and Donaby, for coming on the show. As Becky and Donaby have said, a lot of these documents that they have referred to will be linked to in our show notes so you can consult them. But if you want to have someone help guide you through this process, you can also literally consult Becky and Donaby, and you can contact them or me, for that matter, at Insight at biologicsconsulting.com. That's insight at biologicsconsulting, all one word, dot com. And also, we'd love it if you'd like, subscribe to, rate, and review our show. The executive producer of Insight at Biologics is Chris Crayhansel. This episode was produced and edited by James C. Taylor, and the technical supervisor is Jeff Weiss. The Insight at Biologics theme is by Tom Rory Parsons. I am James C. Taylor. Thank you for joining us, and please come back for more Insight at Biologics.